give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 16 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. So I had a whole idea for this month. Um, I was going to do a solo show. I had a topic chosen. I was even doing research for that topic because I am a podcast professional. But then I'm at work hating my life. Wondering how many more minutes until the weekend. And then I get an email. And that email blew my fucking mind. Work went out the window. I jumped on Twitter. Metallica had announced SNM 2. 20th anniversary show. And I knew right then and there that my topic had to change and I knew I would want somebody to join in on the fun ladies and gentlemen that laugh you heard in the background is not a paid person to laugh at my always funny jokes Mr. Nick Makoviak is back on the show yes Nick it feels like we just did this and I love it I know like well, you know, time flies and you're having fun, I guess. <laughs> well, Especially after the you. weeks and days I've been having at work, this is actually really fun. This is like a good way for me to unwind, take my mind off the shitty day that I had. Oh, and yeah. Let's talk about some fucking Metallica. Right. You know, now it's like, a, where were you when SNN 2 dropped? Where was I? Yeah, that's like the general thing, like, you know, like, yeah. in like years. It's like, where were you when? <laughs> you know, I, yeah, like, totally commiserate with you with yeah. the whole looking like you were just talking before. I'm like, oh, you know, how many more weeks will spring break? How many weeks to the end of the year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we're just counting down. It's like, is time going backwards? What the fuck? <laughs> I remember last, I don't even know when the fuck I saw it I think it was on Twitter and it yeah. was like the top of my you know, top of my my uh, feed and I just saw that gold picture and I'm like what in the hell is this and I just <laughs> immediately just yeah work went out the window troubles went out the window <laughs> I'm like finding out what the hell this is because <laughs> you know it's it's so it's so unmetallica yet so metallica of them to do yeah. this you know, it's like I you at SM two is one of those foregone conclusions, never gonna happen again. Yeah, you know, I figured it was, we could put it in the rear view mirror. It mm-hmm. was an experiment, it was cool, that was it. Yeah, and twenty years later, here they are, like, <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna do this in September. What? Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I just I couldn't I, I I couldn't well, process then, it. There's just so many questions too, right? Because I'm instantly mm-hmm. like, "All right, is it going to be stuff? Just are they just going to recreate the original show?" But then the mm-hmm. email specifies the statement that they release says you're going to hear those arrangements, but 
But then new arrangements of songs that have been released since that album. Mm-hmm. So that is a whole other level of excitement. So mm-hmm. now you're wondering, are we going to get some kind of album release, video release? And there's so many different options that they could do in this day and age, whether they just do like a digital release or do like a special final release like they did for the Helping Hands. There's just so many options and so many questions. Mm-hmm. And my brain's freaking out at the thought of it all. <laughs> I, I know, I know. And like... You have to think like they they known about this for months. Like I think when they started the the uh, the U.S. leg of the, the arena tour, they they knew they had to know back. Then. Oh yeah, you know like they've been sitting on this for months. Months. Oh, yeah. This is not something that just gets announced a week before tickets go on sale. This is something that's been in the planning stages at least for a year. I would say probably. I mean, I can't. I can't even imagine just them, yeah, just bringing it on. And, you know, it it also leads me to believe Rob saying, like, the new album's going to drop quicker because who knows? They could could be riffing on new stuff now for the S&M2 show, kind of like No Leave Clover and Minus Human, that might end up on an album. Who knows? And that was another question that popped into my mind. Are we going to get one or two new songs out of this? Maybe. I would not put it past them at all. I mean, I would even put it past them to have like an an entire album's worth of material that's going to drop after this within the next year or two. Yeah. What the... I'm I'm still trying to like... You know, I know. And then when I was reading through it, and I saw and I saw it was Friday, September sixth. I'm like, oh fuck, beginning of the school year. I don't care. I got personal days. I'm taking off. <laughs> so, you know, and the important run it, run it by my wife. You know, and she loves S and M. So that was like, tickets go on sale the next day. She's like, go get them. Did you get and them? I did not. I because okay. I'm now I'm a legacy member of the fan club. Right, and, as am I. And I could not get anything. Yeah. And then I so couldn't that, do the... And then, yeah, I couldn't do the... No, no, I'm the, sorry, uh, you go ahead. Yeah, and then I couldn't do the fifth member sale an hour later because my legacy code didn't work. So I had mm-hmm. to wait until the next pre-sale and I got jammed out of that. And then finally Friday with the uh, the general like the general member sale, Yeah, I you know, the tickets were like... Twelve thousand dollars. I'm like this. These tickets were five hundred dollars on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I'm not paying twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. For, I mean, five hundred dollars is a lot. But mm-hmm. Twelve thousand dollars is ridiculous. <laughs> that's a mortgage payment. That's a down payment exactly. on a house. Yes. Yes. You know, and then you want to get two tickets. That's twenty four thousand yeah. dollars plus whatever they're gonna fuck <laughs> right. you over with. You know, with uh, tickets. You know, with fees oh, and all for that. Sure. Yeah. Like, fuck, that's a car. That's a brand new car right there. (laughs) So what I was going to say before is that, you know, this was a big news story because a lot of people had issues getting tickets. A lot of complaints about these ticket bots coming into the pre-sales. And this is not a Metallica exclusive issue. This is a music industry issue. Uh, Mm -hmm. It happens 
all the time, unfortunately. And, I mean, are there any solutions, do you think? Uh, unless you want to go old school, you know, go to the, you know, go to the box office. Um, I don't, I don't really foresee an easy solution to this. I really don't. I don't really see how a particular band entity, you know, what have you can single-handedly solve this problem. I just don't see, I don't see that happening, you know, unless you don't go through Ticketmaster, Live Nation, or anything like that. But a lot of that, too, is, my understanding is, it's connected to the venue, not the artist, not that whatever Mm -hmm. act you're seeing, whether it's a band or wrestling or sports game, like a lot of it's related to the venue itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, I don't know how you, I don't know how you easily combat the whole bot situation and and all that. I I don't, I'm not going to even entertain that I have a solution. So I'll just leave it at that. The only thing I can think of, and again, this is easier said than done because this would have to be a whole industry change is that you would need to provide when you go into a show proof of purchase that you are the original person who purchased mm-hmm. that ticket, which means sites like StubHub and all those secondary ticket sites are either going to have to go away or mm-hmm. just to come up with some kind of system where you have now a secondary proof that you're this person who bought this ticket from that person. Person. Mm-hmm. But then it also sort of just becomes kind of convoluted and overly complicated. So I'm not saying it's an easy solution, but that's the only thing I can think of is that you provide actual physical evidence that you are the person who purchased that ticket. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Like, have a driver's license or like, pr- like proof, of, you know, proof of purchase, you know, whether it's on your phone or whatever. But then, right. like, same thing. Like, say, like, I can't go and I sell my ticket to you face value, and it's has yeah. it's like this transaction of like, you know, I bought it from this person. This person has the the uh, the okay from yeah. It, it's very convoluted, and I can see that being an issue. So. And I think As of now. at the end of the day, too, you're just going to turn away a lot of pissed off fans. So let's say a ticket bot got a ticket through the pre-sale. They put it on StubHub. I spent $12,000 on that ticket, but you're going to turn me away at the door? Yeah, yeah. Like then you just get a lot of pissed off people for who are actual fans who spent actual money, mm-hmm. but just, you know was sort of backed into a corner that they have to buy the tickets through StubHub or another website. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying it's an easy solution. I'm not saying there is a solution, but I mean, I'm sort of with you. I'm at a loss, but that's like the only thing I can really think of. Right. And I think a lot of people are in in that same uh, area as well. You know, train of thought now with the second show now being, you know, on Sunday the eighth, and that's going to be all you know, fifth members only. That's going to be cool. So I'm waiting on that announcement of when those tickets are going to go on sale. Right. Because I've already got the okay to, you know, reasonable price. Go get them. <laughs> but I also so. wonder. I know that they're going to try something different. They've not said 
what that different is yet. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the bots got into the initial fan club pre-sale. Will there really be that big of a change? You know, I hope that there is. It definitely yeah. will. Maybe I mean, are you gonna have to provide some kind of proof that you are a fan club member at least? You know, I I would I would think so. I would hope so. Because I mean, they do they did you know you do get that code you know yeah. through your account. Like I said, I I'm sure that they're you know you know I'm sure they're working on that right now. So which is why yeah. they made the announcement, but they're not on sale yet. So. You know, whenever they go on sale, they go on sale. Like, yeah. you know, you're always you're always going to have the issue of, you know, the bots getting in, scalpers getting yeah. in, getting tickets. That's always going to be an issue. You know, if you, can minim, if you can minimize it, and and I think the main I think the main issue is they didn't have enough reserved tickets for fan club members. I think that was yeah. really the problem. You know, when you have something like this, and also the other, I think the other thing too is it was announced Monday, then the tickets went on sale Tuesday. Right. People were like just flipping the fuck out to get the tickets right away. Yeah. So that crashed. So like I think now that it was the second show is announced, but they haven't gone on sale yet. I think people are you know, you know, calming right. and cooling, you know, calming down a bit. What also is one of those things they've come out and said it where there's a lot of partnerships involved in the show because it's the opening of the new arena. So they're working with mm-hmm. the arena. They're working with the golden state warriors who are going to be playing that arena. So mm-hmm. even the, for the fan club show, there's going to be a limited number that go to warrior season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. So right. like, you know, when you have all those partnerships involved, you're just opening the gates to something like this to happen even more. So, Mm-hmm. And this is a type of thing, too, where I think you're going to get more casual fans there because you're going to get classical music fans. You're going to get just casual music fans. You, then, you're gonna, of course, you're going to get the Metallica diehards. And because the opening of the new arena and the Warriors tie-in, you're going to get people maybe who just have corporate tickets who could really care less one way or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of factors go into it. But I, I think just the idea of them having the second show is huge and is I I wrote this on Twitter to you. It's another reason why I love this band because Mm -hmm. they're doing what they can to make things right and to keep their fans happy and satisfied and acknowledge. I think more than anything, people want their frustration to be acknowledged. So them just saying, Hey, we know it sucked. We're offering this. Hopefully it'll be better because we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. That's the best we can do. I think people, most sane people, will at least appreciate the notion of it, if nothing else. Correct. And also, this is fucking Metallica. They are the right. biggest band on the face of the planet. And they're going the extra mile. To, again, having to talk to... you know. Maybe this was always in the works, you know, be, being somewhat cynical, but having to talk to the San Francisco, you know, symphony, like, hey, we're going to do a second show, you know, and, and talking to the arena, you know, that's a lot of commitment to, you know, in response to this. So, again, they are going above and beyond for their fans, which speaks yeah. volumes for them. So, right. absolutely. Let us rewind time. Nikola Kovac. Yep. 
mm-hmm. to the original S&M show. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves with the excitement of S&M 2, which, mm-hmm. trust me, Metallicast Militia, we're going to get there. Oh, we are going to get there and then some. But yes. first, let's talk the original show. Mm-hmm. It was the, we had, of course, the double album, the DVD, VHS, recorded April 21st to 22nd, 1999 at the Berkeley Community Theater with the late, great Michael Kamen conducting. Michael Kamen, of course, being the man who did tours for a lot of artists, including Metallica and Nothing Else Matters, um, did countless film scores, including uh, my all-time favorite action movie, Die Hard. It was the final album featuring Jason Newsted on bass. Mm. Yeah. Which I read that today, and I mean, I knew it, and then I read it, and it was like, oh, yeah. It's, you always kind of think of like the studio albums, you know, but this was the actual mm-hmm. final album to feature Jason Newsted on bass, which makes me a little bit sad. Um, yeah. What were your, do you remember your thoughts in 1999? Um, when Metallica first announced this? Because I remember them first announcing this, and so, and people be like, what? They're going to play with the symphony? That's crazy. It was like another weird experiment in a long line of experiments is coming after Load and Reload, and after people said that they had run out of ideas so were releasing a cover album. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now they're releasing um, a live album with a symphony orchestra. Um, You know... 1999 20 years ago yeah 15 um i i can't recall the actual announcement with them playing with the orchestra probably not until around september october um i now like my memories though uh i do remember the Madison Square Garden promo show they played on, you know, and it was aired live on K Rock. I actually taped it off the radio. Oh, I and did I have, the same, yeah. And I have that tape somewhere in my parents' house, and I was so so mad because when this was announced last week, I went to my parents' house. I always go to my mom's house every Friday after work, and I was in my <laughs> it was on my mind to grab that tape, and I forgot. So yeah. when I go there. Later on this week, I'm going to go through and see if I can find that cassette tape. I'm pretty sure I didn't get rid of it. And I know I've mentioned the story elsewhere, but uh, my cousins went to that show in MSG. Yeah. And I remember that Christmas, had a Christmas party at my aunt's house, you know, cousins, family there, whatever. And I believe I was wearing a Metallica shirt. And reading Mick Foley's first book, Have a Nice Day. Classic, a literary Cl- masterpiece. Oh, it is. Oh, man, that's such a good book. It really such is. a good book. It really is. And I remember what I think it was my cousin, Kenny, went up to me and goes, you're a Metallica fan? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, we just saw them in MSG playing with an orchestra. And, they sh- and, he, and he showed me the program. I'm like, what oh, the man. what the fuck? I, I would have gone. He goes, I didn't know you were a fan. If, if I would have known, we would have taken you. Oh god, I I missed out on that. I missed out on going, oh, and seeing, 
I mean, that would have been my first. Can you imagine that? It's your first Metallica concert, seeing yeah. them with, with this fucking symphony orchestra. Amazing. Oh, my God. And I just, I remember being, like, after that, because the, the, I remember the, I remember hearing No Leaf Clover, and that's where I think I actually learned about the, the show. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. The show got me hyped. And I remember that was probably the first Metallica CD I got when it actually came out. Because, like, garaging, I picked up probably either slightly before or after this. Okay. And I I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, I just remember, more than anything, I remember, I must have, I, same as you, I do not remember the exact announcement. In 1999, I probably heard it announced on FM radio that Metallica mm-hmm. was coming out with an album recorded with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. So I do remember my initial reaction being like, thinking it was going to be cool, but also like, how is that going to work? And, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of, what, what other material are they going to play? Is it going to be a lot of old stuff? Is it going to be a lot of load reload stuff? And then, but more than anything, I remember those fall months leading up to the album's release because mm-hmm. MTV VH1 back when they still played music would have like a half hour block or an hour block where they would play part of the DVD and VHS as like a promotional thing. They'd play mm-hmm. like an edited part of the concert. I remember taping that on VHS off TV and just rewatching the songs that they chose. I remember hearing, uh, you know, select songs on the radio and recording them on cassette so I could listen to them before the album came out on repeat. Mm -hmm. I remember, same as you, I remember listening to the MSG show and recording that off the radio and just, I mean, what I, I think we're the last generation that can truly say like you, we sat in front of a radio and to listen to a full concert live. <laughs> oh, it was so cool. I mean, yeah, like you definitely like ha- having to hit the, you know, like fucking play and record at the same time. Yeah. Or like with K-Rock here, you know, uh, with Mandatory Metallica, you know, just yeah, getting ready. because Yeah, Every just getting night ready. Every o'clock. Uh-huh. Yep. For like that little half hour. And yeah. it's like, oh, it's like. You know, just you just you just you just hit play record and just let it go. Like even if you have the song already. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, I remember one of my uh, before I owned all the albums, I was probably in sixth grade. So I had like I had Kill 'Em All, I had the Black Album, I had Load, which was their newest album at that point. So I'd not mm-hmm. yet gotten Ride or Lightning or Ride or Lightning. That's what I said. I know you got a ride or master or justice. <laughs> it's been a long week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember New Year's, a local radio station did Metallica A to Z, and they played every song Metallica had recorded up to that point, including the cover songs from A to Z in alphabetical order. So I just remember putting in a cassette. This is how cool I was on New Year's Eve. I, put, <laughs> I was home alone. I was home alone. My parents were out with friends. My older brothers were out with friends. I was home with a cassette. <laughs> I mean, I was in sixth grade, too. Okay, give me a break. But even if I was in tenth grade, I probably would be doing this. Would have done the same thing. <laughs> I put a cassette in, and every song I did not have, I just 
would, like you said, press down on play and record at the same time. Time. And then I would stop to edit out the commercials and the songs that I had. And that was the first time I heard, uh, you know, I have like a vivid memory of listening to Blackened and the track Injustice for All. Like, all for the first time, like, on cassette taped off the radio before I had bought and purchased the CD. And doing that, uh, same thing with the MSG show. And I remember, too, there was, even behind-the-scenes stuff, like, I before the concert that they aired, I remember them interviewing members from the symphony about, like, mm-hmm. their favorite Metallica song and stuff. Like, I, rem- I have these weird little nuggets of memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You know, having to go back a generation to, to remember these like I just I can clearly remember being in my bedroom on the floor listening you know having it you know playing it on the radio or recording it off the radio and it was it was just fucking mind-blowing to like have a, a live concert if, if, if I can recall correctly I don't think there was any curses you know edited out I don't yeah I can't rec- I can't recall I think they just let it fly because it was just it was live. yeah Live, pal. So it just <laughs> we'll do it live. Yeah. <laughs> and it just <laughs> like three people. We'll, we'll get that. We'll get those references. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> do it live, pal. <laughs> so, it, but I but, but I can also I'm recall. Glad that like, you did, by the way. I'm glad that you did, by the way. Otherwise, it would have been even more awkward. <laughs> yeah. So. And I can even I can remember too, like, um, and I'm not a, I'm not ashamed to to admit this because I didn't own Load or Reload until after S and M came out, and it's, yeah. that was the first time I recall hearing Devil's Dance, Bleeding Me, and um, Outlaw Torn. I had because I didn't yeah. own them. I, I knew the singles, right? But I I didn't. I didn't know those songs. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So it was, yeah. so it was to me very enlightening because at that time, I, I think I'd pretty much owned the first five albums with maybe, like I said, I might've had garage Inc at some point, either right before or after. So, and of course I knew the singles from load and reload, but I didn't have like, I didn't right. own the albums. So, so, so you basically bought reload. You basically bought reload and was like, where the fuck is the tube on Devil's Dance? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what? It needs more tuba. Yeah. It needs more harp in the background. Yeah. Oh, that was another thing. You remember that harp player? Yeah, dude, that guy was ripped. <laughs> Holy shit. So I, re- so I was going to bring this up later, but just to intervene for a moment since you mentioned the harp player, I remember um, when I, I had the CD... And I had the VHS because uh, we had not been, uh, we were not savvy enough for a DVD player at that point. Um, mm-hmm. So we, I had the VHS and I got the double VHS, which was the concert. And then the bonus VHS with like, it was like probably like a 45 minute behind the scenes documentary of them like preparing for the show. And mm-hmm. I remember watching like that documentary over and over and over again because I was fascinated like what went into it. And they kept on highlighting the heart player. Mm-hmm. Same. Who's like this yeah. jacked guy with like covered in tattoos who looks like a Metallica fan? Mm-hmm. He plays the harp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can I can tell you that exactly the same thing was would watch that behind the scenes documentary over and over and over. Just so 
yeah. fascinated with the whole process, you know, yeah. of like what went into it, and especially like what went into like Noli Clover and Mine as Human, yeah, and just how everything you know came together. Just awesome piece of you know awesome piece of a uh, film. Yeah, if you I'm if you've not seen it, I highly recommend. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Or yeah, if you have, I'm, I'm, it's got to be bonus content on like, you know, if you're somebody who needs the, phys- or who wants to get the physical products to like the Blu-ray or whatever, or you get it digitally, I'm sure you can get the bonus content as well through that way. But it's, it, it to sum it up, it, you know, it gives you the whole creative process basically in like a friendly 45 minutes. So Michael Kamen, I've not watched it in years, so I'm going purely off memory, but from what I can mm-hmm. remember... Michael came in, uh, recorded all the string parts digitally. Yep. To the mm-hmm. studio recordings, just to give the band an idea of what it would sound like. And then, uh, basically, he sat in a band. He sat in a room with just the band. They would play through the songs, and he would sit there with the charts and conduct in the air. And then they did an actual dress rehearsal. I think it was a couple days worth of dress rehearsals which mm-hmm. was the only time that they actually played with the symphony before the concerts actually happened. Yeah. I can remember two things with Michael Kamen about that that stick out in my mind. Um, one of them was like, you know, with, with like the orchestra, is like, they'll play fly shit. You put fly shit on a piece of paper and they'll play it. I remember that quote. <laughs> yeah. I definitely like that. He was just the fucking coolest guy. He was. You know, and, and then actually remember three. So, so that was the first one. The second one was like they were joking about doing strings. Of so what? And he was yeah, like, he's like, yeah, so what? So one. fucking what? And like, you know, and have like, like the orchestra, like you know, stop playing. And I, the third thing I remember was they were they were rehearsing the call of Cthulhu, and he called out someone for playing like a like an, a half note off because yeah, they were yeah, playing yeah. the wrong version yeah. of Cthulhu. Yeah. And I remember Jason going, wow, he heard what one person was like maybe out of key or we're playing the, like an old, like the old version of it. Yeah. I'm like, that's fucking impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like one person, like half a step, like a semitone out of key, out of mm-hmm. close to 200 musicians, you know? Yeah. But I mean, that's how you get there, you know? Having mm-hmm. that ear, having those skills. And to be able to conduct and do all those arrangements stuff is really amazing. And the contribution that Michael came in had on this uh, project cannot be understated. He without yeah. him, this whole project would have never even been on Metallica's radar. Mm-hmm. He presented the idea to them and it would have never been successful because he came in with the passion and the know-how to make this really something special. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you said you nailed it. Like it was his, it was his passion. You know, going back to 1991 when he did the yeah. strings for nothing else matters, and he suggested it, and then it went by seven, eight years. You know, then they wanted to do it. You know, and he had yeah. that enthusiasm for it. Like it was really him who carried that notion all the way through. So, and you know, funny. exactly. And it's funny because I remember from that documentary him telling the story of how he sort of stumbled upon Metallica and he had never heard them. And then he got nothing else matters, got hired to do a string arrangement for the song. 
And then he was at, I think, a Grammy Awards. Mm-hmm. Metallica was performing live. And that was his first time ever hearing them outside of the Nothing Else Matters recording. And he, I remember him just saying how he was just taken aback because he just thought, wow, this is a really fucking great rock band. Right. So he met them backstage. And uh, <laughs> the band was like, oh, we really love uh, the string arrangement that you did for uh, Nothing Else Matters. And he was like, oh, really? Because I heard the final mix. And yeah. it's kind of turned down in the mix. Because they were really shy about it. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was Metallica! <laughs> With strings basically doing a love song. You know, it was kind of not their wheelhouse, especially at that time. Mm-hmm. Um but he's like, oh, no, no, we really love, like, we, we had this other version. And it was, it's what's become known as the elevator version, which was a B-side. Mm-hmm. And it's just, if I'm recalling correctly, it's just guitar, James' vocals, and the string arrangement way turned up in the mix. Yes, that that's correct. And it was at that time, so this is probably 1992, yeah, I guess. And he said, well, you know, I would love to do something with you guys down the road. Like, maybe we can do, like, a full concert together. And they're like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. And then how many years was it? Six, seven seven years. Yeah, seven years or something, yeah. (laughs) They called up. They were like, hey, you remember that show you mentioned? And he was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. You mean back in 1992? That's a whole other lifetime ago. I think it's how mm-hmm. he put it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but thank God he was there that night because we got a masterful show. And I also remember one of the questions that kept on coming up around this time. Because here's something Metallica haters love to do. Or, you know, I when I say Metallica haters, I should be more specific because there's a lot of different Metallica haters out there. The right. Metallica haters who think that the Cliff Burton era is the only era of Metallica. Mm-hmm. You know, the what what would Cliff Burton think? What would what would Cliff Burton do? And I remember it might have even been in that documentary or maybe well, I yeah, it, in an interview. It was. It was. It was, right? And James Hatfield mm-hmm. addresses that and he's like, well Cliff Burton loved classical music and he always had this vision of combining the two genres, heavy metal and classical music. So this is more his vision than any of ours. And he would fucking love this idea. Oh yeah. I mean, around master of puppets, like cliff was known to say Bach is God. Yeah. So right. I mean, right there says it all. Like he was the one who was, he, he was, you know, knee deep or no, no neck deep in classical music. So he yes. would have, he probably would have loved this. So yeah. that and when you mad- hear some of those arrangements, like, from those first few albums, whether it be the Call of Cthulhu or whether it be, you know, the Master whole of Puppets. Master of Puppets or Orion, like his, that influence shines through. And that did not come from, you know, Motorhead, Diamondhead records and no Misfits and all that stuff, you know? No, yeah, that came from his love, you know, like of classical music and understanding of, of classical music in theory as well. And I, and I have been just like a random thought here. Could you imagine if they did S like an S and M show 
with the power of Metallica live in 1992. Could you imagine that? Oh, wow. I, yeah. could, could, I mean, just the band at, were, at one of their most powerful peaks has a live band. Just yeah. James's voice. Just just one of those what ifs, but I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what we have. You know, yeah. So, and looking forward to what we're going to get in a few months. Well, I, I do think this. I do think actually, a lot of the songs from the '90s albums work better. Len- oh yeah, absolutely. And which I guess brings me to the next segment of this podcast, Nick Markoviak. Our top five arrangements from the S and M show. Mm, yes. So here's I how have- I. Here's how I approach this. Um, mm-hmm. I left the two originals, Human and No Leaf Clover, off this. I was thinking oh. more in terms of, which it's fine if you did not. It's fine okay. if you did not. I'm just saying how I approach my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of my arrangements in the in the sense of, you know, in, in relation to the album versions that came before. Mm-hmm. How do I think they work best with the orchestra? So, do you want me to share my top five? Do you want to share your top five? Should we trade off? Uh, you just, just run, th- yeah, just run through your five, and I'll run through my five. All right. So, I'm going, my top five is The Call of Cthulhu. Uh, and I, I, some people might think this is blasphemous, but I actually think the S&M version is way better than the Red Lightning version. I don't think it's blasphemous at all. I think I think you're right on right on target there because um, yeah, it could be a little monotonous. Yeah, I feel that if if I'm looking at those three main early instrumentals, Orion is a masterpiece. Delivers mm-hmm. guys such an interesting work, and mm-hmm. the call to the call of Cthulhu always just cool song just never matched those two in my eyes but when Uh you add in the orchestra arrangement for me it brings it to a whole other level and it really i it made me listen to the song in a whole new way to be honest Uh i agree Uh, my other songs on my list master puppets Uh Uh, master puppets is my favorite metallica song off my favorite Metallica album. And I remember hearing that whole middle interlude do 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 with the strings and the whole orchestra and to this day when I hear it I get goosebumps. Um one I think one is such an epic song and mm-hmm. I it does not matter how many times I hear it live. Every time I hear a live version of it, I just get jacked up once they're trading off solos and harmonies and the whole mm-hmm. ending section is just always blows my mind. And any live version, more so than the album version. And when you add in the frenetic orchestra playing behind it, there's mm-hmm. so many moments where get it gets tenser, it gets busier in a more like pulsating way it just bring i think it i'm not saying it's better than the album version or better than other live versions but it enhances several parts of that song for me and then my other two are from load outlaw torn mm-hmm. uh 
I've always been a fan of the song. I think, I think a lot of diehard Metallica fans would say this is an underrated, underappreciated, underknown song in the Metallica catalog. And I've always was fascinated with the album version. And I mm-hmm. think the orchestra, it, I think it just, especially the verses, just in the, sort of the eerie guitar solo section, just lends itself really well to the strings and everything else. And then my other v- song to round out my top five is Hero of the Day. I always mm. loved that. If I could change one thing about that arrangement, no disrespect to Mr. Lars Ulrich, but take the drums out of it until at least until like the heavy parts, because right. I love when they, they delayed the drums for like a whole another verse they do on the album version. Mm-hmm. When you hear just like the guitars and the orchestra and James's voice, dare I say it's beautiful. It is re- really beautiful, really beautiful. So Damn, I had a thought about something and I escaped my mind. Oh, was it about how awesome my top five is? Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, <there> was, <laughs> I can't remember though, like what the fuck the point was. It was in my mind and it's gone. Again, t- teacher thing because usually I'm used to, I'm I'm, I'm I'm used to like having to pay attention to like six things at once, not one. Right. So, so, all right, so funny story though, real quick. So mm-hmm. today I had a camera crew come into my classroom right before the camera crew came into my classroom i sent a student out into the hallway for a conference which basically uh in our school means you know they've received several redirections you know they're off task they're making noise i need to have a one-on-one conversation with them you do it in the hallway so it's private away from the rest of the class so i sent her into the hallway to have a conference then the camera crew comes in unexpectedly and starts filming. So the <laughs> girls in the hallway for like 30 minutes. And when the camera crew leaves, I've completely forgotten about her. <laughs> oh, God, it's terrible. So she comes into the room and she's like, I've been in the hallway this whole time. And I literally died laughing. And I apologize like a million times. <laughs> but yeah, teacher brain. <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah so so with my, yeah so in my top with my five arrangements i basically looked at it in a way of um how, how could the orchestra enhance the song you know like is you know it's adding another flavor is adding more color to it you know because there are times where i feel like the orchestra plays a little too much with with the music Mm-hmm. You know, as a not as opposed to you know adding something to it. So this is right. So this so this was my five. So I I, had, I did have no leaf clover on there because I just felt it just I've heard it live without the orchestra and it just while the song is good it doesn't work as well. So, I absolutely so, agree with you. So, but if I had to take no leaf clover out, I would have put it in the call of Cthulhu because that yeah. song the orchestra made that arrangement so much better made that song sparkle and shine and just glisten you know as opposed to like the studio uh, the album version where yeah that middle part gets to be a little redundant after a while but yeah the orchestra really added to it um the only overlap we have is the outlaw torn which uh, um, um, amazing how the orchestra just 
filled in all that open space in, in the yeah. verses and add those little, again, the little you know splashes of color in there. And what is interesting too is one of the things I like about the album version of the song "Unload" is all that open space mm-hmm. and how they let things hang. But it's not offensive when the orchestra fills in that open space. <laughs> right. It's like you know, on the album version, it was you know, it was like they let it breathe, and then here, you know, it was adding like little you know whispers and murmurs yeah. to just enhance it. Um, I have until it sleeps interesting yeah because it just i mean i think it's at this point it's an overlooked song and just keep i always yeah. come back to that version of until it sleeps you know where, where again it does it does enough to enhance the song but it you know really yeah. makes it enjoyable um bleeding me yeah that was close to being my top five mainly because i yeah. love that song so freaking it, much yeah, and I mean that this. I mean, because I heard the I heard this version bef- first before I heard the the studio version, and this really made me love the song. And again, when I go back to Bleeding Me, I always think of the S and M version. Yeah. And then the last song I have on this is For Whom the Bell Tolls. That's just, a great one. With yeah, the just the yeah. energy that everyone had into that song, like like yeah. like everything just clicked for me. I agree. So. It's funny because if I had to extend my list by two, I probably would have put uh, From the Bell Tolls on there. And mm -hmm. I would have definitely put a Bleeding Me on there. Yeah. If I had to do that, I probably would have even put in Devil's Dance as well. Yeah. I think think the, you know, you made an interesting point about, you know, there are songs where the orchestra is following the band more. And then there are songs where they enhance the they they enhance the overall song more, and I agree mm-hmm. with that. I also think uh, related to that, Michael came and conducted it in a smart way, in a sense where the moments where you have a faster, heavier riff, he lets Metallica do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Moments where there's space or where there's a more melodic line. He really adds a lot of color with the orchestra during those times. Yeah. So when you listen to a song like Battery, for example, he does that beautiful introduction where the orchestra just takes over that flamenco acoustic guitar intro. It's Mm -hmm. beautifully orchestrated. But when you hear the da 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 da, da, it's all Metallica at that point. And the orchestra is really just adding in little accents here or there. So I think mm-hmm. he arranged in such a smart way. I would have it. It never when I listen to this album, even now, twenty years later, it has aged well and it does not sound hokey to me. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason is because he's not trying to dominate every second with the string. I agree. Yeah, it's authentic. Like then, you know, like again, Michael Kamen is a Metallica fan, and yes. just how, you know, like I actually have I downloaded the, the isolated tracks from YouTube or whatever, and like when you hear the isolated orchestra pieces, they stand like they stand alone as their own yeah. unique pieces of music. So, you know, he wasn't just following the guitar riffs or the drum fills or the bass lines, he really was 
like you said before, he allowed the band to do the heavy lifting when when they needed to, and let yeah. the and let the orchestra pick up the slack when you know there was those moments to to breathe in and out. So that's why I think it does stand up so well because it's not just hokey like something like Kiss has done or whatever. Yeah, yeah or the yeah. Scorpions. Like this was very genuine and. It feels, you know, it felt like a true collaboration too. It wasn't just okay. I'm, pl- you know, like all right. So here's our music. You know, like the band was has as involved. Because I even yeah. think too, if I go, if we think back to the behind the scenes when they're playing one thing, Lars yeah. made a note to like not do, you know, some part or like no machine gun riffing or something like that, just to make yeah, sure yeah. That the orchestra stood out more. And I, I. I, I'm glad you mentioned Kiss too, actually, because I remember two. Th- well, two things before Metallica came out with S and M. Part of the uh, part of the argument that Metallica haters had was this was something that dinosaur rock bands do. This is what something old rock bands do. They play with mm-hmm. the symphony orchestra, and there was a history of that. If you mm-hmm. look at you know classic rock bands, they want to do something sophisticated, quote unquote. And they were, you know, do a concert or do an album with a symphony orchestra. And it always sucked. It was always boring. It never elevated the songs. And Metallica, all of a sudden, did it successfully. Mm -hmm. And then you had a whole other series of albums from bands after S&M trying to duplicate what they accomplished. Kiss being one of them. And I remember being, I remember driving my car uh, in high school and a rock station played, it was either Detroit Rock City or Rock and Roll All Night or one of the staple Kiss songs mm-hmm. with the orchestra. And I was laughing at it because it literally added nothing to it. It was like a. A symphony orchestra, these classically trained musicians who are world class, just playing what Paul Stanley's playing like on guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not enhancing it; it's just following their lead. And it's not like you know, I'm not no disrespect to Kiss and what they've accomplished, or I'm not here to argue the merits of Kiss or the musicality of Kiss. But Kiss songs are simple, and that's fine; they can be simple. But it's like. If it's it's almost as if ACDC did a song with an orchestra mm-hmm. and the orchestra just played, you know, the, the, the timpani player was just playing a basic rock beat because it was mm-hmm. just following along with, you know, what, what Rod was doing on the drums. It, it just adds nothing. And, it, and then it becomes hokey all over again. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, Often duplicated or often imitated, never duplicated. You know that's, that's why that's why Metallica is Metallica, and then everyone else just they're just playing catch up. They're so, just Megadeth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. that's a good one. I'm proud of that. That's a, a good one. <laughs> oh, Brandon, I wouldn't agree with you there. Oh boy, did you hear he has a whole? Uh, set of riffs ready for the next Metallica album. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Shit, he's yeah, he's ready. He's gunning the go right now. Here, James. Here's Lars. Thank, thank you. Know, you can thank me later. 
I'm hoping he writes an angsty Megadeth song about how his beer is better. <laughs> he is one to the money. It's better than in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, you know what the sad thing is too is that I do like Megadeth, mm-hmm. but he's just yeah, become such a caricature of himself that he's just too much of an easy target. And and if I'm going to be honest, I think I've probably said this in a past episode, but Megadeth has not released a good album. In about fifteen years, yeah, and, and they and come again, out with a new I, album every year, <laughs> so. right? And, and I and I don't think it helps when he just you know he just replaces the the drummer and another guitar player yeah, yeah. At, at his whim, you know. Yeah. So it's just hard <sighs> to get excited about anything that man does, even though I do love reading him in the news because it's always entertaining. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, he's he's endless source of entertainment for sure. But at times you're like, oh, it's like Dave, just yeah. just just, just stop, just 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 shut the fuck up, yeah. just so, just shut the fuck up, Dave. <laughs> so let's talk about for a moment two songs that Dave Mustaine wrote for the S and M show: Human <laughs> and Holy Clover. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, he wrote them back in 1982, mind you. Yeah, well, he was... Mustaine's a visionary, Nick, so... Uh, he, he, knew, he is. And in, He knew in, in 1982 fact, that this concert was going to happen in 1999 mm-hmm. with his band Metallica. Yeah, but he also... Not only did he write Minus Human and No Leaf Clover, he also wrote the the uh, orchestra parts, and he gave it to Michael Kamen. And said, mm, you know, play this. So, he... Uh, that Dave Michael, and Michael Kamen said, Dave, this is just the score for Die Hard that I wrote already. <laughs> <laughs> How is this going to fit over into Sandman? Ooh, I wrote that song too. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a spider chord that everyone uses. You yeah, know, Kerry King was almost in my band. Ooh. <laughs> Could have hey, time for Daryl. <laughs> Did I talk about Big Four yet this week? Wow. <laughs> Look at my snare. <laughs> oh, good old, good old, good old, uh, good old, good old Davey Mustaine. <laughs> One of these days I am going to have a Dave Mustaine episode, but I'm afraid it'll just turn into this. <laughs> Why Which is not a bad not? thing. Which Why is not a bad not? thing. You know, but, I mean, he did. He just. He did just write every single Metallica song ever. <laughs> he did. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, James was too much of a pussy to be an actual frontman, so he had to do that. Yeah, and, and Lars and, had and a, fuck. Lars sucked at drumming, so he had to basically play double bass while he, you know, did all the solos over the rest that he wrote. Yeah, then he had to teach Ron McGovney and Cliff Burton how to play his bass parts <laughs> while yeah. while he fucked Kirk's girlfriend too. So I mean. <laughs> He's a fucking legend. Dave Mustaine is a legend. I will say this. Dave Mustaine's come a long way because he at least acknowledges Kirk Hammett is alive and playing guitar these days. So Yes, he is. He acknowledges his existence. One point for Dave. <laughs> so, his two masterpieces. Minus <laughs> Human and No Leaf Clover. <laughs> 
I mean, uh, the only reason I did not uh, put New Leaf Clover on my top five arrangement list was because of the unnecessary restrictions I put upon myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, New Leaf Clover would, if I was including either the originals, would have been that top five list. I think it is uh-huh. a masterpiece. I think it is uh, one of the best songs they did in that decade on any album. And I think it, like you said, it's unique in this compilation in the sense that it feels incomplete without the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and if, you know, it just flows so well, it, um, yeah. Cause hearing it live, without the orchestra it does it it does feel incomplete it does feel lackluster that the the orchestration just adds so much to it and what's interesting too is that again now like idiot savant memory kicking back into that documentary i think james even said like it was a leftover track from load yeah like it might have been like a, a couple riffs that there was left over and they hobble that together and they did yeah. a pretty good job. Even because, okay, like, like while semi bashing the the non orchestra arrangement, it's still a good song, and it really is full orchestra at all. One of the best songs they made in the nineties. Yeah. So, you know, awesome T shirt too, because you know that Pusshead shirt was yes. in I think our top five, or at least yours or mine, or whatever. You know, go check out the Pusshead episode of Metallicast now. <laughs> <laughs> cheap plug so um <laughs> yeah so i mean it was it was really cool to you know to hear a new song like they like that because again yeah. it added that added even more excitement to the to that recording because it wasn't Absolutely. just songs from kill em all to you know reload it was a new song but then you find out there were two new songs it's like right. holy shit so <laughs> right. no no leave clover amazing Minus Human, I mean, I can listen to it. I like Minus Human. Yeah. It's, it does feel a little, has wobbly, a little incomplete, even with the, um, even with the orchestra. It's still a fucking cool song. I love, I I, I like the lyrics more in Minus, I like the, the, the Minus Human lyrics more than No Lead Clover. Interesting. I was, because I was going to make the point that I really like, the lyrics of the Leaf Clover, because the way the song is presented with the melody and the lyrics is mm-hmm. such a, like a juxtaposition. Because when you just read the lyrics isolated, they're so positive mm-hmm. and almost borderline inspirational, but it's done over a melody that just makes it eerie mm-hmm. and comfortable. And... You know, that's sort of the point. It leads into the chorus of like, you know, oh, that light ahead. It's a freight train coming your way. You know, so it's, yeah. it, it's building off. It's building to that, you know, that lyric. But yeah. uh, that always really stood out to me. I do love the line in Minus Human. Um, you know, it, it reminds me in my notes I wrote, it's just like a reload style lyric. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it reminds me sort of like a Carpenter and Baby lyric where he's like, you know, squeeze and suck the day. He's going to, you know, he's, uh, you know, squeeze the world to make it 
and, and drip it down your throat again, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I just felt like, I think the way he sings my, the lyrics to Mine is Human, especially like the coming up for air and in the last week, coming up for, yeah, he just yeah, cuts yeah. it off. You know, yeah, like barely breathing, minus human, you know, kind of, yes. you know, just that that whole thing of, it's also just a nice, heavy song, but there's not a lot going on, you know, yeah, riff wise. Yeah, it's almost like a, it, it almost has like a Sabbath true feel. Like mm-hmm, the, but not Sabbath true. But it's kind of sluggy, but it just does not go... It's just on the same level as that song. No, it's not. It definitely feels like, oh shit! Like we gotta let's let's we gotta make a let's let's do another song here. What can we kind of? Yeah. What's laying around here? Nah, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah. I I got this. I got this. You know, thing. So let's let's throw that in there. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe they. I don't know, spend more time on it, but neither that's neither fish or fowl at this point. It's twenty twenty years. You know. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. And so, it's a perfectly serviceable song, right. and it serves its purpose. And I'm definitely not a hater on it. I I like nope. the song for what it is, but I completely agree with you that it. When you look at those two songs, this seems like a leftover song. Yeah, this seems like a song that they wrote for Load and Reload, and they were like, you know, it just the the main riff is maybe just does not really fit with the flow of the rest of the album, but the main riff was really all that they had. Also. Yeah, definitely what it sounds like. I don't even think it was even a full song. It probably just like you know was that riff, and they're like, eh, let's kind of put it in the yeah, put it in the bank a, here. James had a couple lyric ideas he could play around with and sort of complete. Yeah, but, but again, I think it was just done like the yin and yang, the balance, like no leave cover being more ballady, and this was a lot. Yeah. This was just heavy. Yeah, so. Yeah. And, and and also in that time period to hear a heavy song like Minus Human was like, oh, this yeah. is fucking cool. So yeah. I think that's why I attached more to it. Just because in that time you we weren't really getting heavy songs like that. So That is true. It actually it's a heavy song, but with that groove that they sort of developed during that time period, it's almost mm-hmm. would be like a riff that'd be more appropriate like hardwired to self destruct all these years <laughs> later. Yeah, yeah, now you, yeah, but it would be like three minutes longer. Well, yeah, and better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, better. So, any final comments on the original S and M show? Nick, before we fast forward to present day, mm. um, definitely for me as a fan, a watershed moment. It really probably cemented my obsession you know obsession with the band and i really can't say any more positive things that haven't been said about it it just really was such a unique it was such a unique experience you know the whole you know getting the new songs the orchestra you know the orchestral arrangements to it hearing the hearing the concert on the radio getting the album You know, and it was something that, you know, we had talked about before, probably never going to happen again, you know, and I'm yeah. sure you and I have probably over the past 20 years have 
fantasize book the hell out of S&M to, you know, of like what it could have been, but they're never going to do it because this is a band that never looks back and never repeats right. things. And here right. we are 20 years later, almost to the day of the original two concerts going, well, what's your fantasy <laughs> set list look like for September? Right. Well, and I also thought too, um, you know, it, it's never going to happen because Michael came in his past. Right. And I feel I like, too. and I feel like he was such a creative force in that. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing that they're doing it without him, not by any means. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to honor him actually. Yeah. Honor those arrangements. But I just was not sure that they were, would ever go there without him. Right. Yeah. That was the other thing too. It came in passing. I'm like this. Will, this will never happen. Right. This will never happen. You know. So I. But here we are talking about yeah. S and M too. So. And I, I will say this: I just feel like for me, uh, this album uh, I listened to on a continuous loop when this album came out, uh, I and did I too. watched the VHS on a continuous loop, and mm-hmm. I was obsessed with it to the point where. I would go back and listen to the album versions and I'd be able to sing the missing orchestra parts in my head. <laughs> I'll tell you how bad I'd fill in all the empty space with the orchestra parts. <laughs> I, I can, I can one up you. This is how, this is how sick I was with this. When like my wife and I would listen to it, I would know the song by the, by the, when the song would start the art, like how, like the audience response, I would know that it would be like bleeding me or <laughs> that's how, that's how bad I do this. It's like, because even like not even hearing a note, I'm like, Oh, it's like, you know, you can have it on random, like, you know, devil's dance. And then it's like, how the fuck do you know? They're just clapping. I'm like, that's how they are clapping in the beginning of devil's dance. I'm like, that's master of puppets. That's fuel. That's battery. You know, that is so that, that's sick. Like that's how much I listen to S and M. Like because I, I I would know the song by the by the beginning, clapping and, and wooing in in the audience. <laughs> that is hilarious. So now, mm. as we've already said a couple times, twenty years. The later, main event. S and M two, was supposed to be one show only, September six, two thousand nineteen. Now adding the second show as we talked about for fan club only members. Nick, I'll be hoping and praying that you get your ticket, by the way. Oh, thank you. As I, uh, as I will be too. Um, and if you are, if you do get a ticket, I'm definitely going to get a firsthand account of the show from you. Just FYI. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Mainly so I could swear at you because I'll just be jealous that. <laughs> like you fucker I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take all my rage out on you like you motherfucker <laughs> do you know who was not at the show me <laughs> me <laughs> but this or time we... around <laughs> so this time around obviously as, as we've also said a couple times Michael came in has sadly passed so they will be conducted by Michael Tilson Thomas who is the uh Regular conductor of the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra these days. I believe this is his final season um, Mm. with the orchestra, if I read that correctly. So this might be one of the final projects that he does. Uh, The arrangements are by uh, Bruce Coughlin, who I admittedly had to look up. But he's a big Mm -hmm. deal in that world. He's done a lot of work on um, Broadway musicals and done a lot of plays and musical theater. He's a Tony Award winner from what I read. 
and huh. he works closely with Michael Tilson Thomas on several projects. So it's not like a chance meeting. There seem to be regular collaborators, which is how this came to be. So it'll be really interesting, in my opinion, to hear not only what the new arrangements are and not only what the new songs are for these new arrangements, but are they going to have a different flavor than the Michael Kamen arrangements? Is there going to be a noticeable difference? It's, I have a lot of questions about what it's going to sound like, but mainly just because I'm excited to hear them. Yeah. That's so. all I have is just, yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else. I'm like, yeah, you said everything you needed, Brandon. You said it. So. <laughs> All right, well, anyways, my Sorry next guest, Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Nick, you're off the show. Dave Mustaine's here <laughs> to talk about what arrangements he's doing for SNM2. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Brandon. You know what? That guy, Nick, you know, he's such a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I tell Get you about here, when I wrote Sweet Home Alabama, put it into Four Horsemen. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, and I introduced the guy to Thin Lizzy, so I also invented Iron Maiden. <laughs> you know, Bruce Dickinson, I can hear you scream. Ow. <laughs> Bruce Dickinson, man, I taught him how to scream, just like his girlfriend did when I nailed her. <laughs> yeah, this I is think- how... Dave, get the fuck out of here. We don't want you anymore. Go back, Dave, go back to the kid con- you came from. This is how condescending Dave Mustaine is. His uh, age contemporary bass player who has been in his band for almost his entire run. So for 30 plus years, he still calls Junior. <laughs> That's so Dave. So Dave. Classic Dave. It's classic Dave. So... Uh, I asked you to prepare a little bit of homework for this. Uh, you mentioned before our fantasy set list for SNM two. Oh, see, this is the main event of the podcast. Woo! I'm excited. Pe- I've been this is I've been are, thinking of this since it was announced. Since before it was too. announced, but for the last twenty, you know, last twenty years, <laughs> yeah. we're fantasizing about this. I mean, no joke. There, I have been like sometimes you listen to a new Metallica, and you're like. You know, that song would be cool with an orchestra. With orchestra. (laughs) (laughs) So is there a certain way you approached your set list? Because I'll just say this. It's a fantasy set list where I put songs in it that I do not think they will realistically play. Mm -hmm. But I also set it up somewhat realistically where I included songs from the original S&M show and mixed Mm -hmm. it with new songs because that seems mm-hmm. to be what they're actually going to be doing yeah so my parameters with this was it would have you know 20 song set lists like the original i did not include any songs they played within the first concert so these are all songs that would be unique to this so i know like yeah. they are going to include you know probably interesting and nothing else matters and for whom the bell tolls and one so i said, you know, what are 20 songs that would work with an orchestra that were not on the original S&M? And I also tried to, and just spoiler, there are songs from every studio album on my set list. Interesting. Okay. I'm, yes. I'm excited. So, I also kept with the same, similar structure to their first one. Although, knowing Metallica, I don't think they'll open with an instrumental, but yeah, that's something we'll talk about later on. Okay. I say just dive right in. I'm all ears. 
All right, so set one, just like they did on the, you know, SC of goal, I think, is a given. So I didn't include that because I think they're going to play that anyway. Well, they're going to play it. So I didn't include that. So uh, for me, they're going to open with Orion. It has to be Orion. Okay. There's there's no, you know, if there's going to be an instrumental, which there is, it's going to be Orion. Then from Orion, go Moth in the Flame. Okay. So you got that quick, you know, like the Cthulhu puppets, Orion, go right in the Moth in the Flame. From Moth through the Never. Keep the energy going. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Now, song four, this would be like where a thing that should not be, Harvester of Sorrow. Can you imagine that that introduction, the eeriness that the, that the orchestra can add to that song, and just that. how, and then how epic just that you know when they get to that that pause, in, you know, towards the end of Harvest or right before the third right before that third verse, and just waiting for James with the with the all that stuff. Can you imagine that? So awesome. the the that could be a very creepy arrangement. Yes, like you're saying when it pauses, mm-hmm. having like the buzz of the strings and like kind of build that tension. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that makes me excited. Yeah. So right. So so right there. So now we get into you know, ballad. I want to put the data never comes. Mm-hmm. Kick it back in a little bit. Ride the lightning. Okay. Because right there, I mean. I can just hear like that that middle section right before the solo, just yeah, mm, 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 tasty right there. Now this is where, <laughs> this is where we're gonna get a little wild. This is where we're gonna get a little a little off the cuff here, off the beaten path. Okay. Where the wild things are. I like that one. Okay, where the wild things are. I think again, song creepy. Again, you can add that you know add that eeriness in with with yeah. the arrangement. It'd be nice homage to Jason Newstead too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. few songwriting credits. Mm-hmm. Next song, The House Jack Built. I've always loved that song. Yeah. And I, I always felt, man, how great would this song? It's, it, it's a solid song. Yeah. The Unnamed Feeling. I, okay, yeah. From, from St. Angry, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love. And then yep. we're going to close out the main set, My Friend of Misery. Oh, I like that. Just just that, again, that middle part. Yes. You know. Well, think about ah, what they could ooh. add to. <laughs> but think about what they could add to that whole bass intro, too. Oh. I mean, that is, I think that is the. The towards the force and the blackout that does not get enough love myself. It's it's probably my favorite song off of the black album. I would absolutely agree with you. Yeah. So I I'm a I'm a fan of this set you got going. Oh thank thank you thank you thank you. It, up until today, it looked a little different, and I'll, we'll get I'll get them out text later. So I, I feel like a few I feel like as you as you're saying yours, I'm like changing mine presently. So because <laughs> I'm now I'm down thinking like, oh well, I want to do a set with all new songs too. <laughs> <laughs> so that was only the 
how many songs was that so far? Ten. That was ten. So that's the so first like, set. The first one. Yep. All right. So um, you want me to do my second set, or do you want to do your your first set? I can do my first set. We can do it that way. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, um, you know, I did mine a mixture of old arrangements and new stuff. So for my and I went over the twenty song limit. I okay. Just on, I just kept on adding shit. I started. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, let me, let me, uh, let me do twenty songs. And then I a few more crept in, mm. but I try to keep it somewhat reasonable. Otherwise, I'd be up to like forty fucking songs. So yeah, <laughs> my, my first set, in a, you know, same as you, Axie of Gold, I think is a no brainer. Orchestra mm-hmm. plays that live. Um, I liked the idea of starting off the show the same way before it goes in a different direction. So I have the Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. Master Puppets, which are two of my top five arrangements for the show. Then we have a couple arrangements from the first show, but out of order. So I have uh, Call of Cthulhu, Master Puppets, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Okay. The Thing That Should Not Be. The full version or the S&M version? Because they cut uh, like a verse out. Yeah, yeah. They, they get rid of the third verse, if I recall. Yeah. I, I, they, they can do the S&M version. Okay. Fall by the Day That Never Comes. Good. Like it. Fall by... Here comes revenge. Ooh, yeah, I like that one. Oh yeah. And then I had, even though it's not my favorite, I they, I feel like it's a perfect excuse to play minus human, which is never played live. Mm-hmm. Get a agreed. rarity in there. Uh, Hero of the day, bleeding me, and then set ones ends with cyanide. Ooh, okay. And Halo on Fire. Strong. Strong. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Very thank nice. You, thank you. I'm Very thinking nice. like the uh, cyanide, like it, it, it sort of has like that bass groove of like Devil's Dance, but mm-hmm. and then that melodic interlude in the middle that could really be filled in with strings. And I think that has a lot of potential. Yes, I agree. I definitely agree. All right, <clears throat> so set two. Here we go. The original one opened up with nothing else matters. Ah, fuck that. We ain't doing that. We open up with blackened. <laughs> open with blackened. You, you have you have the orchestra just like battery. They're gonna play that that the backwards guitar intro and that build up the crescendo. Boom! Right in the blackened. I like that. I mean now. You want to get people pumped, you know, because I had the big thing like was trying to balance out like ballads, mid tempo songs, faster songs. It was it was not easy, which I had to like rearrange things. <laughs> so blackened. Now from blackened, the four horsemen full version. Nice with the Sweet Home Alabama. I think you mean I think you mean mechanics. But yes, no, yes. no, no, no. The, Mechanics did not have the Sweet Home Alabama part. No, I, I know, I know. Oh, yeah, I no, think I'm you sorry, meant yes, to the put mechanics. the mechanics. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. How, how foolish can I be? The, yes, the mechanics. That's, that how, the black and, that's how us trues refer to it as, Nick, so. Oh, I'm, well, I'm sorry. You know, I'm just a metallic, you know, I'm just, I'm just a metallic nerd. I'm just a, black a mega nerd. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Dork. I, I'm sorry, continue, sir. All right, black and horseman. King Nothing. Ooh. That's not one that crossed my mind at all. 
it was it was it that that was a late addition to the set i'm like like king nothing needs to be played yeah after king nothing fixer yes because it has to be played yes and then fade the black again another glaring omission now yes I think it's safe to say that the majority of people would probably include these this these next songs. So it's going to be the Unforgiven trilogy. However, mine's gonna be a little different. Okay. We're gonna start off. We're gonna start off with the Unforgiven three. Okay. But, so after the fade to black, you know that the roaring end. You're gonna hear that piano kick in. Okay. So, so, so we're gonna go. So we're unforgiven three, unforgiven two, into the unforgiven. Okay. That that ends the that ends the main set. So we have we're eighteen songs in. So I'm, I had to really think about like because I had the had it the had it in order like one to three. Yeah. And I'm like, but like to me that that guitar solo needs to be. I was like, oh, like like Metallica would, would knowing them they would play it in reverse because that's that's so Metallica. <laughs> That's true. They, well, so, they, they would. They, you're you're right. They would do it just to fuck with people. Yeah, and then that's somebody online would be like, "Like, you don't even know how to code anymore." Yeah. <laughs> so then, so then we have we have two we have two songs left, and this is where like I was wrestling back and forth with like what songs and what to put here. So then we end, you know, the Unforgiven. It's an epic moment. Kirk nails a solo. It's amazing. It, the orchestra plays great. Lights come out, you know, are dim. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and then come back on. Now, orchestra's to play. You know, and it's like, oh, it's, it's very classical sounding, very much like, you know, Baroque music, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, main riff, fight fire with fire. <laughs> and then, to end, this, to end the whole thing, you're left exhausted. You gotta send them. You gotta gotta send them home happy. Creeping fucking death. Done. Ooh, that's another one I did not think of. Th- that's the set. That's so the set the, right there. So some of the ones you mentioned, I've seen pop up on uh, other people's set lists that they sent to me that um, I'll share later, like Harvester of Sorrow. Um, but some of the ones you mentioned, like King Nothing. Uh, Never even crossed my mind, or creeping death never crossed my mind. But those have a lot of potential. Yes, for a really so, cool arrangement. Mm-hmm. So my second set, and there will be a little bit of overlap here. Mm-hmm. Uh, battery. Okay. So you know, come out swinging there, followed by the outlaw torn. Okay. And then I had the Unforgiven Trilogy, which I feel like everybody puts on their list, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I was not creative enough to think of going in reverse, so fuck you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then <laughs> but then after the Unforgiven Trilogy, I had the same thought in my mind about that Baroque-style music playing by Fire with Fire. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that could they could duplicate, like you were saying, what they did with Battery. And the orchestra mm-hmm. just plays that whole intro. And then, like you said, boom, explode into it. No leaf clover after that. Mm-hmm. 
Fixer. I feel like Fixer's another one that you gotta include in that. If yeah, they did the Alon Torn and SNM one, you gotta do Fixer and SNM two. Yeah, it's to. the national. It's the national. It's the it's the natural follow up. <laughs> yes. Followed by one. Mm-hmm. Followed by all within my hands. Ooh. So get a little sane anger in there, and I feel like that is just a aggressive, exhausting, pummeling song. But you know, it has those little melodic moments and those dissonant moments. You can mm-hmm. do something really cool with that. Yes. And then I put nothing else matters just because I feel like that's the ultimate tribute to Michael Kamen. You know, mm-hmm. have like your uh, moment to pay tribute to him, and uh, since it started there. And then you end, well, I'm going to end the way you started with Orion. So my set sandwiched by instrumentals. Oh, okay. That that definitely crossed my mind to put the instrumental at the yeah. end. So now I think Metallica will probably not open with an instrumental. They'll probably open with Blackened or something like that because that's, that's so Metallica. So yeah, I have a bunch – I have songs that I originally had that I cropped out at the last minute or like w- – maybe thought about including so i actually i had cyanide originally okay i had dropped that i had now that we're dead that one crossed my mind yeah i just when i thought about it more i'm like i don't know how well that would work i did have here comes revenge definitely was on there but but i felt that revenge and harvest are are too they occupied too similar of a space i I was gonna say we talked about this when you were we did show I feel like they have that similar vibe, so definitely. Yeah, so so I'm like, okay, so which one would I rather hear? I'm like, I'm going to put Harvester on that. Yeah. I had Helen back Ooh, from interesting. Beyond yeah. Magnetic. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm like, I'm like that would be a treat. It would be something different, you know, and I think yeah. of those four, it would probably lend itself the best because they played it the most. And the other right. one that might have worked might be Rebel of Babylon, but – yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have gone in there. Um, I had no remorse. Ooh, had that. And I, I was I trying to think of a good "Kill 'Em All" track that would really translate really well. Yeah, I feel like I that's just... like the weak link in terms of songs that transfer overall because the arrangements are just not as complete in a lot of cases. It's just a lot more, you know, punky thrash metal. Yeah, Phantom Lord so, did cross my mind because it, it has did. that sort of melodic interlude, and it's so basic mm-hmm. compared to what came after. That I feel mm-hmm. like the orchestra could really do something to elevate that. Yeah, that 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 crossed my mind too. I also had Halo on Fire on there. I had yeah. Now, like other songs, I, I consider I did consider all within my hands. Yes. Um, all nightmare long. Just yeah. couldn't couldn't yeah, yeah. think of a spot to put it. Damage Incorporated. Ooh, that would have been a good one. You could that could have, have you that could swap it out with inspired five. drone at the beginning somehow and duplicate that live with like a horn or something. Yeah, because you could kind of swapped out five five with fire, put damage incorporated in there. Yeah. Um, I had what the fuck else that I have in here. I had man on kind. I, like, you know what's funny? That one. I I really like that song. That to me, that's like a really great deep cut. That's mm-hmm. really grown on me the more I listen to it. Yeah, uh, and I that one crossed my mind because I feel like it has such a like the the groove and it has mm-hmm. such a, 
interesting uh, uh, structure when after like the verses and stuff. But yeah. I just, I, I, I really questioned if it would really translate well with the orchestra. Yeah, I had that 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 I had that also too. Of like, eh, like the in, the bass intro would be would work really well. The, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the middle part would work, you know, well. And I think for shits and giggles, I put Sweet Amber. So I'm like, yeah, it could probably work as a shorter yeah, song. Yeah. But, but like honestly, this was this was a lot harder than I thought. Right. Because like having to think flow structure. Like having, yeah. you know, like fast songs, slow songs. Because yeah. I was looking at, at my set of like, you know, going from, you know, Wild Things, House and Unnamed and Misery. Like those are those are not upbeat songs. So I like kept messing around. Like, do I put Ride Here? Do I put, you know. Yeah. And I also, I didn't have, um, I didn't have the Unforgiven trilogy in my, my first set at all. I didn't have any Unforgiven. Like I didn't have Sanitarium. I really didn't have a lot of Master of Puppets on here outside of Orion. Yeah. So it's I'm really interested to see what they actually perform. I, I think mm-hmm. there's so many songs from the original SM that are not regular parts of their set list, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. Where you know, some of them are sort of like like a thing that should not be or of Wolf and Man or yeah, you know, the Outlaw Tour, these are more deeper cuts that do not get a lot of rotation anyways. But even, yeah. like, the Load Reload popular songs, like, you know, Until Sleeps barely gets played anymore. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, there's some Bleeding Me never gets played anymore. So I think mm-hmm. this is Hero of the Day. So I feel like this, the S&M 2 show could be a cool way to hear these songs live again for the first time in years. Yeah, yeah, and again, just f- first, like, are they, you know, how many songs are they going to play? Yeah. Are they doing the 20 songs? Are they doing more than 20 songs? They're doing 24 songs? They're doing 26 songs? They're doing 22 songs? Yeah. Are they going to pull, you know, an, you know, a rabbit out of their ass and debut a new song like they yeah. did with the original ones? And now with right. two nights, are they going to play the same set both nights? Are they going to play yeah. a slightly different set? It's right. all these different questions, you know, and are they going to play the same song but maybe have a slightly different arrangement than what we heard yeah. in 1999? You know, you know, are they going to rearrange the songs? Because, like, that acoustic arrangement of Enter Sandman is yeah, pretty yeah. badass. I was you know? actually thinking when I was compiling my set list of, like, you know, that would be... The acoustic arrangement with the orchestra <laughs> would be pretty fucking cool. Would be pretty awesome. And Sandman crossed my mind with that because, like, I know like Sandman's probably a given because it's almost like they have to play it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if they have to play it, do the acoustic version. Do something different. Do something cool with it, you know. But I mean, realistic. I don't think that's a realistic possibility. Or. Um, mm-hmm of what they will actually choose, but I would love to see it as a fan, you know? And yeah, think, absolutely. And I, and I, and I think going back to your point too, that's, you know, it's, it's extremely hard to make a set like this because you want to do, it's a perfect way to do things you would not normally play live, but you got to include some hits for like the casual people that are going to be there live. Mm-hmm. And, and you, and you got to balance it and find the, well, you got to find the balance between, 
the heavier stuff, the softer stuff, the fast stuff, the slower stuff, the groove stuff, the thrash stuff, you know, and it, it, you, you're going to want something that flows well. And, but that also will actually translate well with the orchestra. And right. my question is too, if they're playing the old songs, are we going to get, you know, 90% SNM one and only like a few new arrangements? Are we going to get, is it going to be 50, 50? Are we going to get like all set one is like basically like a best of SNM one and all set twos, all new stuff. Is it going like they, it, the balance of old versus new mm-hmm. is, is interesting to me. And I think the, and I wonder too, if their plans are even changing with how in demand the show's been. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it, I mean, I'm just completely bullshitting here, but I wonder if they're like, you know, we could probably get away with just duplicating the same concert. But now that more, I feel like they've gotten more attention for this than they were originally anticipating. So yeah. they're like, you know what? We could do an album. We could do a Blu-ray. We could do, you know, X, Y, and Z with this. So let's mm-hmm. do a new song. Let's do more uh, new arrangements than we were originally anticipating doing. Yeah. I, 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 I've, I've, even without the second night, I always felt that once they announced it, I'm like that, this is going to be a, you know, there's going to be a CD, you know, there's going to be a, an album release, there's going to be a DVD to it, there's going to be a behind the scenes thing. You know, if not released, you're going to see a bunch of shit on Metallica.com. You know, they're going to yeah. have a ton of information behind the scenes on it, rehearsals. Totally. Totally. You know, um, so it's just interesting now of like what you were mentioning before, you know, it did cross my mind, like, are they just going to repeat the first concert? You know, that might have been a plan, but since they did throw in, like, we're going to put in new songs, you know, that we didn't play yeah. originally, you know, like, how many songs are they playing? So, so many questions, you know, that haven't yet been answered. And also, what's going to be interesting, too, is seeing what songs they choose to play in Europe, especially in August. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because checking on their set list, the SNM, the original SNM set list was pretty much their standard late 1998, early 1999 set, like right in yeah. order. You know, That's of course, true. minus, you know, taking out Cthulhu and you know, Outlaw Torn, but they did drop in Outlaw Torn before the concerts to warm up on yeah. it. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what songs they play. I mean, it, you know, like b- before last week, it was kind of a given to me that the, or, you know the stadium, the European stadium run. It was going to be the setlist was going to be almost locked in like the U.S. Yeah. one here because it's going to be the big production. Right. But now, now this takes on a whole, a whole new, whole new meaning. Yeah. It's a whole. It's, it's, it's a new level. Of, I was going to throw in a Pantera pun, but <laughs> I, I almost went <laughs> a new level. Level. Oh, oh God, <laughs> Wow! <laughs> so. I'm so happy that Dave Mustaine and Phil and Sam will have sauce by the show today. <laughs> yeah, I read a YouTube comment. You know, like when you know, like if a black hole had a voice, it would sound like Phil and Sam. I'm like, yes, <laughs> especially when he was, was still like was still dabbling a lot in drugs. Yeah. You know, like, I, I can't even do it. That that like deep southern drawl, you know, like it's been hooked on crack for like twenty years. Uh, you can't you can't you can't duplicate it. So but yeah, just yeah, and then if 
you know, we're going to get a mixture. What songs do you think they're going to play? Like, absolutely, they're playing these songs from the first, from the first show, like from the original SM to this one. Like, to me, they're definitely they're playing Sandman, Nothing Else Matters, Master, Master of Puppets, one. one, Bells. Yeah. So. Right. The, the, the staples, you know? Yeah, the like you said, what you said is interesting too. Uh, that something I did not think of. Like, pay attention to the European set. Let's see if there's new stuff creeping in there that they're yeah. trying to maybe work out before the show. And also, too, I mean, not it in some European cities, they're going to respond to things different than we do here in America. I right. mean, think about when they did those uh, uh, request shows. I mean, Saint Anger made it into a set over in mm-hmm. Europe, you know, like in, which still might've been them trolling. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Or, or maybe it was the Melbourne Australia show. Cause Richard S. He just kept on requesting yeah. it over and over <laughs> and over and over again. <laughs> but if that was the case, though, I think invincible kid would have been the set, not St. Anger. So I'm, I'm not sure about that conspiracy. Yeah. Theory. But, but, I, but you I, know I, what I mean? <laughs> I'll joke. Yeah. Inside, like they, they, there are some stuff that will, that would, you know, they might cater to more than we would here. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, are they going to drop back in No Leaf Clover or Unforgiven yeah. 3 or Broken, yeah, yeah. Beaten, Scarred or All Nightmare yeah. Long or yeah. My Friend of Misery. It's going to be, you know, those deep cut slots are going to be super intriguing to see how that changes, you know, May, totally. June, July, and August. So that's, yeah. that's all I'm saying. Like, kind of, you know, watch and, you know, we got to look out and see, like, yeah conspiracy you know conspiracy theories broad of like oh my god they played it they played i disappear are you gonna play it with an orchestra you know they're playing it at, you know right. for the two shows are they, you know are they oh my god you know they're playing king nothing you know right. i think like a song like that it's like king nothing hasn't popped up in 11 years i think if, it, if that pops up and then a good song good it's chance we're gonna hear it September. especially since the uh, amount of material they play from those albums these days you know like they just have I think I think that's another going to be an interesting aspect of this too. You can tell by their current set list, like where their state of mind is. Like they're mm-hmm. not playing a lot of load and reload stuff. I don't think it's anything against those albums. That's just not where their mindset is. They're more their mm-hmm. mindset is more in line with the old school stuff now. Yeah, which, I mean you can hear it in Death Magnetic. You can hear in Hardwired Hardwired Self Destruct. Those last couple albums are more in line with their you know. 80s sound yeah and and so if those songs are coming back in one that's i think a pretty good sign but two maybe they're not interested in playing those that type of stuff uh this time around maybe you're gonna see more hardwired stuff on in snm maybe you're gonna see more definitic stuff in snm too that that's a strong possibility i mean at this point you cannot write off anything Right, you know, especially like the, because this was like one of those, this was never going to happen, and now it's happening, and it's <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It, you know, like I don't think there's any parameters you can really put on it, you know. It, but yeah. it's good, even like what you mentioned before, like is like set one going to be like the best of S and M, and then the second set is all brand new stuff. It's yeah. certainly very interesting to see like if they do that, like what ten songs they play, you know, and then yeah. what other. So it's. There's so there's so much stuff that 
like we can all fantasize about from now until like, we're not going to know until September 6th. Like, and, the, not- and the exciting thing too is that when they did the original shows 20 years ago, we had to wait, you know, six months to the fall to really get any information on it. Now it's going to be instant. We're going to be glued to our Twitters. We're going to have mm-hmm. update set list information. We're going to have instant video leaks, you know, like, we're going to have all the stuff coming out, which is just going to make us crazier for, uh, you know, like a professional recorded thing. But mm-hmm. like if they do pull out a surprise, like, oh, hey, by the way, here's a new song. We'll know about it instantly. We're not going to have to wait uh, six months for it. And keeping that in mind, I would not be surprised if, you know, if they're doing an album, if they're doing a video release. That thing's going to be produced and mixed as quick as possible, and it's going to be out perhaps within weeks. Yeah, especially yeah, especially now. You know, we're like, I think what they might do is kind of like with the all within my hands thing is they'll do the live Metallica audio. Yeah. So you can get that, and then they might do like a proper professional mix. Yeah. You know, and dude, and then like that's like your your record store. 2020 release yeah like, you know like that you know like on vinyl and they'll have you know different box set configurations you know i don't think they're gonna sit on this for that long because they don't have to the technology is all there we're like right. they can you know, like shit they can probably they can prep for it now get the the right. box art ready yeah. get the liner on get get all get all their p's and q's minded right now get everything lined up so all you have to do you know, after on September 9th, when that second show was done, you know, if they're playing the same set or they're playing two different sets, or if they do do two, uh, two different sets, it's going to be like the Quebec Magnetic or whatever the fuck it is, where you pick what's what proper release do you want? Do you want night one or night two? And then you get the yeah. bonus songs in play. So, I mean, there's yeah. so many possibilities that can do with this. The only thing so, with this project is that I do think. It, the mixing process and all that is going to be uh, it has to be handled a little bit differently and a little bit more carefully because you're going to have so many more parts to it um, mm-hmm. and from a musician perspective so like it's, it's just going to be different mixing this album than it would be mixing a stripped down helping hands um, mm-hmm. uh, all within my hands project you know so which leads us to believe that they're going to put if they're gonna do it, it might be more of a like traditional release. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't do the original S and M, but I did definitely think of like like they could just say, "Hey, you know, you could spend ten dollars to get an MP three on Live Metallica, and, and if you want to get a, a you know the vinyl, it's gonna go towards the All Within My Hands charity or something like that." Yeah, I could easily see that. You know, that, or do that a record could... store day like. You, you like you said, you know, it, there's so many yeah. possibilities. It, it, but it could, I mean, they could also just say like, you know, one week later, be like, oh, surprise, here's the here's the album. <laughs> right, exactly. Like I'm saying like it's on Apple you know, Music, Spotify, record stores. <laughs> it's on Amazon already. Yeah. I, I, I again, because they've had this in their back pocket for months, so I can only imagine like the, they already have release stuff in mind right. you know if, 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 if there's a release in mind there's already a plan for the release yeah so and i guarantee you like they already 
they already know the set they're playing. They, yeah. the, the arrangements, have, like that's all worked out. You know, yeah. once their last European date is, I think someone said on the message board, there's like two weeks. So like, it's funny a time for them to get like dress rehearsals down. Right. So for the to, for them to like run through the set with themselves, get the tempo right, and then do like full on dress rehearsal, two days with the orchestra or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely do feel like this is going to be done very quick. Like if it's September, it, it might, it'll probably, you know, it might be out for Christmas. Right, definitely. I mean, which would also line up with the release of the original one, because I remember it being, I'm pretty sure it came out like right before Thanksgiving. Cause I remember it being yeah. Thanksgiving and listening to that album. So yeah. I've, it, like I, if Thanksgiving was on a, well, it's always on a Thursday. So it probably kind of came out that Tuesday because now new albums yeah. come out on Friday, but back in the day, yeah, back in the day, yeah. Tuesday was the day. So it probably oh, came absolutely. out that Tuesday and Thanksgiving was Thursday. So, cause I remember being home for those, you know, for that four day weekend and just listening to that album nonstop. Yeah. So, so again, it's, it's super exciting and so much unknown right now as to yes what's going to happen. I mean, and, personally, like, I don't give a shit if they actually just play the original fucking set over right. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like, now, like, you're, yeah, you're getting here at Law Torn again, and you're getting, you know, minus right. human for the first time in 20 years, and No Leaf Clover, and Bleeding Me, like, right. you're, the, you're getting those songs so many again. rarities still, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, like, how funny it is now, like, how most of that set is all, like, deep cuts. Whereas at the time, it's <laughs> right. like, yeah. it's like fucking Hero of the Day, I want to hear Fade the Black. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, Fade the Black, fuck, I want to hear Hero of the Day, or I want to hear Until yeah. It Sleeps. So how and funny it, things flip like that. It's, and I last question. Yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. Nah, I, I lost my train of thought. I, I was going to say, the another question I had, too, if you really, like, are going to nitpick, like, the wording of it, they said new arrangements from songs since the release of S&M, which mm-hmm. makes me say, too, like, so are they going to do new arrangements of old songs? Or are they literally just going to do new arrangements of, like, St. Anger, Death Magnetic, uh, Hardwired? Hardwired. So that, many questions. I know. There's so, there's so much. So many there. questions. And I, we're I, literally I, driving ourselves insane. This, you, you can. <laughs> Thinking and about the, and, the possibilities. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, are there going to be any posters? You know, oh, like with everything right. else, yeah. there has to be. There has to be because then you have to do two. Well, no, you can't do two because like it was that's through CID. But yeah, there's got to be a there's got there's a poster for Friday night, poster for Monday night or for Sunday night. Put that in with this with the yeah. box set too. I mean, whew, I fan myself here for a moment. Hold on. Oh <laughs> <laughs> you know? man, I don't. There's there's just the possibilities. Are endless, and again, I don't think I've been this hyped for a release since Hardwired. I'm probably even more release or more hyped up for it, just because yeah. you don't, you just don't know. Like, are they going to are, yeah. are they going to open with Hardwired? Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Right. Well, that's are they gonna open- what if they just took what if they just took their current set list and ta da, that was the. That is the SM2 show. You're still I, up with like a lot of crazy possibilities, you know? 
Yeah, because you're going mean, to have some of those old favorites. Like, you're going to get one. You're going to get Nash. You're going to get nothing. You're going to get Sandman. Like we've said before, you're probably going to get a Bells. But you could also get a Fight Fire with Fire. You could also get a Hardwired or an Atlas Rise or a Blackened. Or a Black or a Sanitarium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so it's so tough. That, you know, because, again, it's like, are they going to play more than 20 songs? Are they going to do, like you said before, like, I, we literally don't know until the, like, until Saturday, September 7th. We're not going to know anything. Yeah. You know, fully. You know, and then to see, like, are they going to play the same thing on Sunday night? You know, and fuck, right. if it's successful, because you damn well know, like, the money will roll right in. Yeah. See, that, that's that's a deep that's a deep Metallica nerd reference. <laughs> <laughs> are they gonna do a show in Europe like they did? Or are they gonna do a right. show in Japan? You know, because there's no right. there's no Japanese dates right now. Right. And if, so and I mean, if they and if they do, uh, if they do a more traditional album release for this, are they gonna do a full cycle of? I mean, I remember. Them, it might have been the Billboard Awards. I remember them being on a war show playing with the yeah, symphony, promoting this yeah, album. Right, like again, like, like there's, are they going to be? Are they going to be on? Uh, you know, one of the late night talk shows with uh, orchestra or with like a string quartet at least. You know, doing like a different arrangement or something. You know, like uh, uh, how far are they going to push this? The the whatever they want to do with it, they can do with it. And yeah, they could literally just be like. If this was a cool tribute thing, we're moving on. We could be reading way too much into everything. We or could be. We, we there's a good chance of that. <laughs> yeah. Or or you know, they could say, Let's go all the way with this, you know? Or especially largely. after the the demands that there's been for these shows. And the fact that they're adding a second show actually makes me think that they're more likely to record it because that way you can record both nights. You can pick and choose from the shows, like, you know, what's the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And and that's normally how a lot of, not all, but that's how a lot of these things come together. That's how SNM1 came together. It was recorded over two nights. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they edited it together as one cohesive thing. Yeah. Or Lars is listening to this podcast and he's like, you motherfucker. Motherfuckers, man! <laughs> Fucking who? Who the fuck leaked the set list to you, Dave? <laughs> Come back! Here. Mm, mm, sorry, Lars. Didn't mean to upset my little Danish one. friend. They should play Symphony of Destruction <laughs> with a symphony. Oh my goodness! Oh, my. yeah. Well, I think so, we yeah. end on that. I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, I think you are. I'm pretty, pretty. I'm, I'm pretty pumped for the show. I, I, I'm, you know, waiting when the tickets are going to go on sale. Yes. I hope to get them. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to anticipate that I will because there's literally a million you know band club members so yeah i'll i will gladly settle for staying at home and 
shit if they if they live stream it. I was just I'll gonna say it's a that. possibility now, you know? Fuck fuck waiting for a Blu-ray. They might just stream both nights live online. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, again, they could do that and then like your record store day, boom, you're gonna have a fucking t- a ten LP set of both nights. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean I I think I think it's the questions this project presents that makes it exciting as a fan. And knowing that the absolute uh at the absolute minimum we're going to get a few new arrangements out of this. Which mm-hmm. to my ears is new Metallica music. Yes. And, Agreed. And I'm gonna be hoping and praying, like I said before, that you get a ticket. And if you get a ticket then you get a uh, to come on Metallicast and give us your first-hand experience. That would if be you don't awesome. get a ticket, you'll never be able to come on Metallicast ever. But um, fuck. no, I, either way, I'm going to have you back for S and M too, mm-hmm. so we can hopefully there'll be enough to go off, so we can do uh, another one of these and talk in depth about twenty years later. I will even regardless of if. I go or not, I think there'll be plenty to talk about. And you we know. can do our fantasy set list for S&M. And three. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're going to be 40 years typical, later. <laughs> be pissy Metallica fans. Fuck, man. <laughs> fuck this band. They didn't... Man, they didn't play Ronnie. The fuck's wrong with them? Uh... <laughs> I told them if they don't play Bad Seed, I'm never buying another album. <laughs> or I can just be, you know, if I'm there and, and it's like, hey guys, can you please shoot me again? <laughs> oh, no? <laughs> Fuck. I'm fucking leaving this show. Winding the streets of San Francisco. I'm like, does anyone have any rice roni? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, oh, good lord! Oh my goodness! Ooh, like I said, I gotta fan off here. After uh, after recording this episode, my wife's gonna wonder why I go to bed all frisky tonight. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you guys Don't talking me. about over there? Don't mind me, honey. I've just been talking for two hours about Symphony of Metallica. Okay, two. <laughs> yeah, talking about Symphonica. <laughs> I wonder if they'll have, um, if I'm recalling, on the first SNM, did they not have Apocalyptica open up? Or am I making this up? I, or maybe it was for I, the follow-up promotional shows, like an MSG, maybe. I, you know, I, I, I well, let let's get this right here since we have the internet. Right. I, I would not be guessing? surprised. Why are we guessing? <laughs> I, I, yeah, well, it's 2019. Why the fuck are we guessing things? We, we can literally... We, we Enter have... into the Google machine. Yeah. Well, past dates here. Let's see. Click. Clickety-clack. Clickety-clack, clack, clack. Let's go with 1999. All right, let's see here. Like, let's not guess. Let's, 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 let's fucking get this right, Brandon. Come on. Like, we're, we're, I'm a podcast professional. I'm all about getting shit right, okay? Fuck you. Yeah. You know how much of a professional I am? <laughs> I had the best review on iTunes. <laughs> Let me pull it up for a moment. It was... Um, <laughs> 
it was a good review and i was very appreciative of it but it was just the wording of it was fucking hilarious he was 100 percent right it's just uh where is it let me see um uh from tom the trink so it says um don't let the production value fool you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, hi oh. oh my goodness. I love this podcast. It may not have the polish of certain other Metallica podcasts, but Brandon's antics keep me running back for more. Five stars. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. I I love your five star reviews. It's a little bit backhanded, but <laughs> but he's absolutely right. It does not have the production value of. You know why, Tom? Let me cut a WrestleMania promo on you. All right, since WrestleMania is a week away. Oh boy, I do this with blood, sweat, tears in my basement. I don't have budget. I don't have an assistant. I don't have a producer. I don't have anything that I. I don't think the other podcasts have any of this stuff either. But no, they don't. They have production value. You know what my value is? Metallica value. Oh, this pocket, this this promo does not even make sense because <laughs> Metallica value is nothing. It's just two words put together. Thank you for your brother review. I'm running wild on you. <laughs> that sounds horrible too. All right, I gotta I gotta work on my wrestling promo, okay? Yeah. But uh, I just thought that was funny. Yes. Sorry, I'm not Tom or Clint or Ethan. Everybody, sorry. Well, if you were Tom, you would hate everything off a load and complain too long. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, good morning, everybody. I'm Tom Tom Quee here with Metallica. <laughs> I wonder what Tom would think about the show. I don't know. Oh, who the fuck are we kidding? Anyone who's anyone who listens to, to Metallica is hyped about the show. If Unless you're not, you're, if you're not uh, hyped about this show, you're Dave I'm Mustaine. sorry. You should not be hosting a Metallica podcast. You should be hosting Dave Mustaine cast. Well, thank you, just you go, there, Brandon. I'm just going to talk about... Dave Mustaine in my best Dave Mustaine impression. Ooh, wow. <laughs> oh my lord. The best part about this episode it's it's fifty percent Dave Mustaine. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. With like one percent Phil Ensemble thrown in there. Um did you ever find anything about Apocalyptic? I could not find anything. I, I, I no, I did not. Yeah, so. I I'm, I'm that might be a figment of my imagination. Um, yeah. I, and I don't think for these shows there's going to be an opening band. No, I would be surprised if there was. I mean, they didn't have a formal opening band for the arena tour, you know? They yeah. So I, party. So I, I, I'd be highly doubtful. This is going to be like a like an evening with type thing, which it should be. Correct, right. Yeah. I, I, I don't see it. I don't even, I don't see like a Jim Brewer doing this. I don't see another yeah, band yeah, opening yeah. for them. Right. So, yeah, it's going to be an evening with Metallica. So, yeah, which I'm cool with. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. What an epic episode! We talked about SM, we gave our background information on the original show, 
We did our top five arrangements. We broke down No Leaf Clover and Minus Human. We talked exhaustively about the upcoming SM2 show and all of the possibilities. We made our fantasy set lists. We babbled on and on and on and on and on. And we even babbled on even longer than what you heard. To the point where we were delirious. And Mr. Nick Makoviak started speaking like Kermit the Frog. Please do yourself the favor. Follow Nick on social media. Especially Instagram where he posts a lot of great art pictures. He is at Nick Makoviak. Last name spelled M-O-C-K-O-V-I-A-K. Please follow Metallicast on social media at Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I reached out before the recording of this episode and asked people to send me their S&M2 fantasy set list. And I got a lot of great responses. At XZJGaleron, however the hell you say that, at XZJE. J-A-L-A-R-O-N sent me the set list. Orion, Master Puppets, Injustice for All. That could be a cool one. Fade to Black, Creeping Death, uh, Dream No More, Spit Out the Bone, Halo on Fire. That was just your life. The day that never comes. All Nightmare Long, Unforgiven 1, 2, and 3, King Nothing, No Leaf Clover, Outlaw Torn, The Memory Remains, and Suicide and Redemption. So some overlap there from uh, the set list that Nick and I came up with. Andy at Busty underscore McCracken had Fight Fire with Fire, Harvester of Sorrow, My Friend of Misery, The Unforgiven, Creeping Death, Fixer, Fate to Black, The Unnamed Feeling, Cyanide, Orion, Turn the Page, Ooh, throwing in a throwing in the Bob Seeker cover, Moth into Flame, Black into Rooster, interesting, and Alice in Chains cover, Motor Breath, oh so interesting, and Halo on Fire. So seeing a lot of these popular repeats show up. Nick Dalton at Damaget. Oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> at Damage Dalton. I'm like, at Damagat. <laughs> at Damage Dalton. Ooh, I'm still suffering from teacher brain, even though it is the weekend. He writes his set list, Hit the Lights, Shortest Straw. Cool. Four Horsemen, Shoot Me Again. Ride the Lightning, Sanitarium, Wasting My Hate. All Nightmare Long, To Live Is To Die, Struggle Within, Damage Inc., and Just For All, Phantom Lord, The Unforgiven Trilogy, Spit Out The Bone, and Seek and Destroy. Um, My friend, my buddy Richard S. He, who will be coming back on the show soon, says, I mean, justice for Junior Dad? He wants some Lulu in there. Um, Let's see, let's see what else we got. My buddy Ralph... At R. Savetto, C-E-V-E-T-T-O, writes Ecstasy, Orion, Sanitarium, Misery, Horseman, All Within My Hands, Sweet Amber, Atlas Rise, uh, Dead, Moth, Halo, Dream, Fixer, then the intermission, ooh, after the intermission, starting with Mama Said, I like that one, Unnamed Feeling, Unforgiven Trilogy, Day That Never Comes, God That Failed, that could be a real cool one. Here comes Revenge, All Nightmare Long, Fate to Black, Seek and Destroy, Creeping Death, Spit Out the Bone. And yeah, cool set list on the Twitter. Um, I got a great email from the at Metallahat account on Twitter. 
They write, the ecstasy of gold, the day that never comes, no leaf clover, master of puppets, halo and fire, harvester of sorrow, another shoot me again, wherever I may roam, ooh, low man's lyric, I like that one, welcome home with sanitarium, instead of the Unforgiven trilogy, they're writing just Unforgiven 2, which is interesting, uh, everybody has their own opinion on what the best Unforgiven song is. A wolf and man bleeding me one until it sleeps all within my hands. Nothing else matters. Dream no more. Fade to black. Sad but true. And ending with fight fire with fire. They write, I believe I included all albums except Garage Inc. Since that's cover songs, I kill them all. I don't feel like anything from Kill Them All would translate well with an orchestra. But that's just my humble opinion. They can I addressed upon that. I think Kill Them All is definitely... The hardest album to, uh, for uh, in terms of arranging songs for, because like I said, it has just more of that punk thrash attitude. So please feel free to interact with Metallicast on social media again at Metallicast Bottom, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email like the Metallicast account, Metallicast at fans.experts.com. And of course, you can also leave an email, uh, leave an email. There's that damn teacher brain again. Leave a voicemail at the Metallicast hotline 203-548-0609. And I have one. Let's listen to it and see what this listener has to say. Hey, Brandon. This is uh, Jason. Um, I'm also a bass player. You might have heard of me. I've been in some bands. Anyway, I saw your Facebook post. Um, about some fantasy set list for SNM2. So um, I, I put together a, a set list that I think would be really good. Um, it's 11 songs, and I think they should open with Frantic, followed by Sane Anger, then Some Kind of Monster, really hit them hot with Dirty Window, then uh, Invisible Kid, uh, followed by My World, and uh, then I think they should really come, come back with Shoot Me Again, um, sweet Amber, uh, then, then, you know, leave, and then for the encore, uh, the unnamed feeling, followed by purify, and then close out the show with all within my hands. I think there's some killer bass on that album, and they really have some good bass playing, um, uh, with those songs. Um, so I think that should be the set list. <laughs> I think fans will love it. I think it's great. I mean, nothing but the hits, right? Anyway, great job with the podcast. Bye. Is that Jason or is that Richard has he without the Australian accent? I'm so confused. But please, interact with Metallicast. Like I said, do it on social media. Do it by Email metallicast.com. Do it by the Metallicast hotline. Leave a voicemail 203-548-0609. Just do it. Like, thank you. Just do it. This episode was a lot of fun. Um, please also leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Leave it on iTunes. I I, I know I had some fun at uh, the expense of Tom the Trink, but he, it was a very nice review, and I honestly am very appreciative. And please... Follow his lead. Leave a five-star review. Leave a nice comment. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. And it really helps the podcast out. Now, if you're not subscribing, then also subscribe. If you're not downloading, then also download. Leave a review, subscribe, download. You know how podcasts work by now. 
help a brother out. Help me out. Help me help you out. And do everything that I demand of you. For you are the Metallic Ass Wonder Show. Now, as always, I like to end with a cover song. Now, some of you out there might be into dubstep. I am not one of those people. But little known SM fact that was not mentioned in the episode Skrillex, arguably the biggest dubstep artist out there, or at least he was at one point, uh, was at the original SM show. If you watch the video, he was the blonde kid trying to stage dive. <laughs> and so I figured, why not? Let's end with a dubstep remix. This is by a group called Conanmouth, or by a person named Conanmouth. Um, I'm not sure if it's a group, if it's a person, probably a person. Doing a dubstep remix of the Black Album classic, The Unforgiven. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, metal up your ass. Yeah!
So I was trying to look, hi ho, Kermitty Frog here, and I just want to say, you know, doing the Rainbow Connect, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. So I'm like listening to Rainbow Connection. I could never do a Kermit until like today. It just clicked for some reason.